Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, wide selection with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. They've gone over these vehicles with a fine-tooth comb. That way you have the comfort in your buying experience. They also do a great job with their sales staff, working with you to save you money wherever they can. Your trading's never been worth more. And to make sure it's one vehicle, you know, one-stop shopping for your vehicle, one-stop shopping, best service department around. Inspections, routine, diagnostics, whatever it may be. They can handle all of it at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Bob Grove on the Penguins coming up in just a few minutes. We'll talk with Nate Bauer as well, Neil Kulong in the Super Bowl. And final half hour, Chris Soleri from the Detroit Free Press to preview tonight's Penn State-Michigan State basketball game at the Jordan Center with tip-off set for 6.30. Coming up on Thursday, we have a special treat for you. Uh, Super Bowl champion Grant Haley is going to be joining us from the Los Angeles Rams. He'll be joining us about 3.15 on Thursday. So that's something for everyone to look forward to to hear from the former Nittany line and Super Bowl champion Grant Haley. He'll join us at 3.15 on Thursday. Uh, looking forward to that very, very much. All right. Uh, at the Olympics, a big problem today. Camila uh, Valieva leads the short program at Beijing. Oh, boy. She finally took the ice for the short program in Beijing, earned the top score of the day. She did have a stumble on a landing on a triple axle. At the end of the performance, Vallejo, who had previously said she was tired, emotionally looked upward uh, and began to cry as if the magnitude of the past few days finally had hit her. Uh, Of course, cameras have been on the 15-year-old the entire time, uh, clear to compete by the Court of Arbitration for Sport on Monday after testing positive for the banned heart drug uh, in December. The decision received outrage in the skating community, including those competing Tuesday who were asked about the situation after their own performances. And one by one, they kept saying they didn't agree with it. They thought it was touchy. So if she were to win, they would not have a medal ceremony. If she were on the podium, they would not have a medal ceremony. Well, right now, she's she's leading. Just what the Olympic Committee needed. Yeah. Another big day in Beijing. 
We'll come back, talk with Bob Grove about the Penguins in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Uh, Penn State basketball, Michigan State tonight. Uh, Nittany Wines uh, looking to somehow break through after this three-game losing streak. And I talked about this yesterday where Penn State, uh, the free throw disparity has been dramatic. I'll talk more about that in the next half hour. Then Nate Bauer is going to join us. Neil Kulong at 4.06 today. And Chris Soleri from the Detroit Free Press on Michigan State basketball joining us at 4.35. Grant Haley of the Los Angeles Rams will join us on Thursday's show. Grant will join us about 3.15 on Thursday before the Penn State-Minnesota basketball game. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Time now to bring in uh, my old friend uh, who's uh, just outstanding in his analysis of hockey, Bob Grove. Bob, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to be on here, Steve. Uh, I want to start with Sid, who's at 499. Obviously, 500 doesn't mean that, oh my goodness, but it's certainly a significant, like, you know, validation of everything we've watched for years. Bob, yeah. can you can you get to the man's level of consistency and what it's taken for him to be that straight line that, let's be honest, the straight line on a scale of 1 to 10 is like a 9.5 almost every time? Well, yeah, I mean, Sidney Crosby has been pushing himself to be at a high level since he was a young kid. And since he started to stand out from others in in Canada where he grew up, and he's never stopped that to this day. He's a he's a guy, Steve, who's never satisfied. He would never say, "Well, as I get older, I'll just have to accept that some things won't go as well as I want them to, or I maybe can't do what I've always done." He's pushing himself to be the same player all the time, and that means you play. Not only you do the things that you do with the puck, but you play without the puck. He demonstrated that again in last night's victory. He's yeah. on back to one nothingly. He's driven like few athletes I've ever seen. And for him to accomplish what he's accomplished under the microscope for, like I said, years before he ever reached the NHL. And so you know what that's like. There's always people waiting for you to fail. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not only done what was expected, he's exceeded what was expected and you know he could exit his career he's got three cups he could it could be more you know by the time he's done and of course he's a first ballot hall of famer i mean you couldn't ask for anything more from an athlete that he pushes himself and pushes his teammates with he's only thinking about one thing steve that's winning the game he 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 would he's it would be a cliche for a lot of guys to say i don't care about the numbers but that is Sidney crosby he doesn't care about the numbers they'll take care of themselves he just wants to win and what's interesting is that over the years, if you've looked at the numbers of the, quote, superstars in the game, there's a great buildup from youth to age 26. And then there's a falling off. It's consistent across the board. I don't care. I can throw any name out there, too, even Gretzky, mm-hmm. where there's a fall off after 26. That's what's made, made I think, what uh, Crosby so remarkable is that Oh, sure. Are the numbers quite the same as before 26? No, but they're pretty darn close. And that's, that's, that's something others have not accomplished. 
No, that's right. I mean, it is inevitable. You know, he won't accept that, as I said. Yeah, we well, fa- father time undefeated, incredible record, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He is. But no, you're exactly right. And his numbers have been, continue to be amazing. And here's the thing is, so, uh, you know, he, he was, he had the off season, he had the wrist surgery. He didn't start the season on time. And then he got off to a slow start. He was frustrated, but he wasn't scoring goals, especially. And, you know, everybody pointed it out. And, you know, I, I always say that, that will come around. Trust <laughs> right. me. Yeah. And, and if you go back now to, you know, like around January 1st of this year and look forward, he's among the top four or five scorers in the National Hockey League. I, I mean, he just mm-hmm. so he, it is it is amazing to see him continue to do what he's done. And he has learned so well how to earn space, how to create space and then how to just work magic with it, and that has never left them. I'm sure that would be an interesting trip for the Penguins into Ottawa. We'll leave it at that. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, they only had 500 at the game last night because that's that's the way it is right now in, in Canada for the most part mm-hmm. in terms of fans. They finally got a chance to face Matt Murray, or conversely, Matt Murray got a chance to face them. I thought he gave a good account of himself, but I was really impressed by Casey DeSmith. What did you think? Yeah, Casey DeSmith has basically been playing for his Pittsburgh future for sure, and maybe his NHL future because, you know, if you go back a few games, he got pulled in consecutive starts. Yep. And he he had been wildly inconsistent this season. And there were questions being asked because when, you know, Mike Sullivan, when he pulled him, you know, he, it's, it showed that, look, he wasn't sure if this, this guy could do what he needed in those particular games. And, you know, Steve, when you have every goalie gets pulled, but there are not many goalies who get pulled in consecutive starts. Mm. That's pretty rare. And that really says your game's not where it needs to be. So Casey DeSmith right now is, like I said, he's playing for his future. And that was a huge game for him. And he's coming off the start before was a game that they lost, you know, in in uh, in a shootout to Detroit. But he he was the reason they got a point. And then he pitches a shutout. Now the team in front of him last night, Steve, was really good. Uh, yeah. They totally I mean, buttoned up defensively, especially the. I thought the forwards were great defensively. I expect the defensemen to be. I thought the forwards were great defensively. Yeah, and part of the reason they they were Steve is because they they were consistent with their forecheck. So yeah. it, it was about Ottawa not having the puck much at all in that game. But there were two or three points in the first half of the game where Ottawa got a great A opportunity, including a shorthanded breakaway. Where if that goal goes in, it's a, it's a different game. It is just a different game, and he and he obviously didn't allow that. So if you go back now in his last, you know, what, seven, six, seven starts, he's had a couple shutouts, and he's writing himself. I mean, he really is. And he's going to have to continue to do this. He's going to get every chance to reassert the fact that he can play at this level because the Penguins cannot play Tristan Jari in the second half of the season as much as they've played him to date, or there'll be nothing left when he gets to the playoffs. They are going to have to give DeSmith starts, and if he keeps playing like this, then he'll get his career back on track. Chris Letang is right around the top 25 and plus-minus. What have you liked about his game? I've liked everything about it this year. He's He's just been terrific. And yes, you can look at the points, and you can say he's at an elite level again. I mean, he's headed for... 
he could finish in the top three among defensemen scoring for the fourth time in his career. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of defensemen who can say that if he gets there, and he has every chance of getting there. He's been an assist machine. But what I like about his game is he's not forcing things. And he really got into this mode last year. For After the first month or so of last season, there's been, on most nights, a patience about his game. Or instead of Crystal Tang getting the puck and quickly moving it, which he often has done in his career, he's waiting that extra second for plays to evolve in front of him and for options to evolve. And holding on to that puck has made a world of difference for his game. He, so there's a level of patience that he's continued from last season, and he is just playing at a high, high level that you really can't always simply measure by the number of points he puts up. Yeah, and on the plus-minus, so everyone understands, he has more minutes per game on the ice than anybody else in front of him in the plus-minus, which yeah. I think is very interesting uh, for him. I have, yeah. I have to separate myself from the Penguins for a moment. I made this statement the other day on the show. I never in my lifetime ever thought I would see in February the Montreal Canadiens with eight wins. <laughs> it is, Steve. So for... for... Fans who are, have been following the game for a long, long time, which you and I have, it is remarkable to see that franchise in this position. You know, and I think about when I think about the Montreal Canadiens, right? You think we all know the dynasty they are. Nobody's won more Stanley Cups than them, and it was a disaster if they didn't win the Stanley Cup. It was a failure of a season yep. when they didn't win the Stanley Cup. You think back to the Bowman years. And the late seventies, when they played a whole season and lost eight games, yeah, eight. Yeah, they've only won eight games. Yeah, so they fire Ducharme, they bring in Marty Saint-Louis, and he's got a huge, huge challenge in front of him because, and it's so weird that they get to the Cup final right before. I mean, this is so bizarre. But yeah. if you think about Weber probably done as a player. Carey Price hasn't played this season. Those are two humongous losses for them. And then they try to scramble, and they try to make it work with the players they have, and it just all starts downhill. And Ducharme and no one else could stop the momentum. And we'll see if if they can get it turned around. I like Marty Sanley. A lot of he's got a big challenge in front of him. It's incredible to see this franchise fall to this place they're in right now. Uh, Yeah. Uh, you know, during their heyday, I remember. Was there AHL team Nova Scotia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they would. You felt like the Nova Scotia team could make the playoffs <laughs> if they had a shot at it. You know, the league wasn't as big as it is now. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, every time you turned around, well, he's retiring, but we're bringing this guy in. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you could afford to leave these guys in the minor leagues. Yes, forever. Yeah. Right until until you needed them, and then when you needed them, you brought them up. They were you know more than ready to contribute to what you had going because you had so many stars at that level. So it was like the ultimate situation to be in with a development club. And you know, it's um, I hope it gets back to you know I hope they get back to being what they are because that's good for the NHL when the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. I mean, they're the signature franchise of the league. They always have been, and it's hard to watch them sort of fall to the place they're in, and I'm sure it's stunning for the fans in Montreal, too. <laughs> if this show were in Montreal right now, 
It's all we'd be talking about, wall to wall. Uh, and, and believe me, the fans would have solutions. Lots of solutions. Uh, so they've got the, the, the Penguins have the Devils next. They're a point back at Carolina. How do you like the Pens positioning right now? I know there's still, you know, we still got a couple months to go here, but how do you like their positioning? Well, they're in great, they're in great shape. Yep. I mean, nobody thought they would be, what are they, six points off the lead of the overall NHL standings right now? Yes. I mean, it's, it's yeah. an insane place to be, Steve, because let's remember, Malkin has missed 36 games. Mm-hmm. Crosby has missed a dozen. Rust has missed 22. <laughs> These are three of their top players. Yeah. And, I mean, they haven't really been together. So their position, they're in great shape. But, you know, the, what, what's going to make this fun down the stretch, Steve? They haven't played Carolina. They haven't played the Rangers. They have a ton of games. You know, they have a ton of games coming up against the teams that are right there with them right now. And that's going to be what makes a difference. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those teams go head-to-head down the stretch. Always great talking with you. It's been too long, my friend. We will talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. The outstanding Bob Grove. Always love talking hockey with him. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And uh, coming up in the next half hour, uh, I'm going to get some of those basketball notes I talked about for tonight's game with Michigan State. Then uh, Nate Bauer will join us. Neil Kulong on the Super Bowl at 4.06. And then uh, Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press, coming up at 435. As we continue, great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Second half hour of the show. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, it's 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. That means everything. I mean, in terms of your buying experience, the comfort of your buying experience means everything. A great sales staff that works with you. They want to save you money. That's why they have so much repeat business, because they do a great job with customer service. Your trade has never been worth more, so there's the opening to save you some money. And a great service department that really makes this one-stop vehicle shopping. Whether it's routine, 
inspections, diagnostics, the complicated. They can take care of it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. NatePowerOn3.com in a few moments. Neil Kulong, next half hour on the Super Bowl. Final half hour, Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press, previewing tonight's Penn State-Michigan State basketball game at the Jordan Center. And coming up on Thursday, yes, there's an afternoon basketball game Thursday at 4, airtime 3.30, but we'll have an abbreviated edition of the show on Thursday. And in that abbreviated edition of the show on Thursday, joining us about 3.15 will be Grant Haley, former Nittany Lion and Super Bowl champion with the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, Grant played in the game. He was on special teams. He played in the game on Sunday against the Bengals, and Grant Haley will join us on the show on Thursday. All right, a couple notes about tonight. And Dick Girardi and I are going to get more into this in the broadcast tonight because I know he has some additional notes. But style of play means everything to what's going on. Look, if you're the quicker team, you're going to get fouled more and go to the line. And Michigan State, by the way, is a quick team. Michigan State is number one in the Big Ten in conference play in percentage of points at the free throw line. They get 21% of their points at the free throw line. Now, part of that is they're great free throw shooters. As a team, they're 78%. Their numbers are phenomenal at the line. And they're quick. I mean, they make their cuts. They get by you. People are grabbing them. I got it. So this, this is not about Michigan State. But Penn State will take some jump shots. Everybody takes jump shots. I mean, Michigan State will take some jump shots tonight. Everybody takes jump shots. But if you're a team that is primarily a jump-shooting team, you're not going to get to the free-throw line as often. It's something I've explained so many times on this show. And when people complained about officiating, you know, and Penn State's not catching a break, and this is in years past, they'll say, you know, Penn State took so many jump shots, they're not going to get to the line. I mean, I don't know how much, how fair, in terms of fairness, how fair I can be about that assessment, which now I flips it around. Let's talk about what's been happening lately. Penn State, because of the type of team it has, yeah, do they take some jump shots? Sure, they hit eight threes the other day. They'll take some twos, some fadeaways, things like that. But Penn State's been trying to play, for the most part this season, downhill basketball, attack the rim, attack the rim as often as possible. And right now, the opponent has made 153 free throws in conference play. Penn State's attempted 152. Huh? And in this three-game losing streak where Penn State has lost by a total of nine points, a total of nine points, Penn State has attempted 19 free throws, and the opponent has made 34. What? Now, the opponent is 34 of of 42 at the line in the three games. Now it's 14 free throw attempts a game. Okay, that makes sense. 14 free throw attempts. You're like, okay, you know, I can, you know, 10 to 14 somewhere in there. So I have no problem with that. No issue. The fact that Penn State's averaging six attempts per game is a gigantic issue. Penn State, by the way, is 14 of 19 at the line. That's why Micah was so upset the other night. So many elements have been happening. You're looking around saying, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Come on. By the style of play, Penn State should be getting there more. That's the point everybody's making, just on pure style. But either these teams are playing the greatest defense in the history of man, 
where nobody's reaching in. It's kind of hard to believe that 18 to 22-year-olds are that proficient defensively. Or something is just not, it's, something's askew. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Penn State is last, by the way, in percentage of points at the free throw line in conference play at 14.4%. All right, let's bring in Nate Bauer on 3.com. Sir, always a pleasure. Let's start with, uh, I want to go back to 2016. And James Franklin was speaking with a group, and he said one of the more important things that we need to do across the board is we need to all pull the rope in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So that's what he told the I mean, I was there, when, you know, right, standing right next to him when he said it. Mm-hmm. And what a difference it has made. Did you get the same sense that that's what he was talking about with everything happening, right? There's no structure in college football right now. But yep. how important it is from top to bottom that at least in this institution, everybody pulls in the same direction? Yep. I don't think there's any doubt that that Wednesday was a – it worked in two ways. One, it signaled that they're as close as they've been to having that. Yes. Right? Between the, the director of the Board of Trustees, mm-hmm. the new university president, who he said, it's you know, obviously it's kind of – at that initial stage of the interactions. But I think that certainly he signaled some optimism there that she will be, um, you know, in line with that. Uh, And then on down, right, all the way to to the football coach. But the second part is they're not there yet, right? Like, so it's still still a process. Um, You know, I think one of the things that was brought up during the season and, you know, kind of as the contract talks, went along in October and November was this notion that if you look at, if you look at all these other successful dominant programs in college football right now, that is the commonality is that it is not just that, that Alabama has a strong football program. Mm -hmm. It is that the university and the institution and the community at large surrounding Alabama football is all in. They all act. That doesn't mean they, they completely agree on everything or that uh, Nick Saban just points where to go when everybody follows along. But it's, it's simply to say that there are kind of these overwhelming pillars that provide a roadmap of, of, hey, this is the direction that the football program needs to go and these people are all going to um, you know, do what it takes and be invested in seeing that success come to fruition. Now, what makes his argument on this or his statement on this very strong, and as somebody who has stood there, I don't know, hundreds of times when he's done this, I mean, I'm not kidding now, hundreds of times, where he's up in front of his team stressing academics, that, I think, gives him additional cachet with the board, the president, and so forth, because he's stressing what the overall mission is on top of this. I don't think there's any question. Honestly, part of what he said on Wednesday that struck me and I think has been really a part of the conversation throughout is, you know, kind of this notion that you can do all of these things that are happening without giving up your identity exactly without without sacrificing who you are um but but does that mean that penn state as an institution as an athletic department and as a football program shouldn't be finding the ways that it 
and NIL and the transfer portal, what have you, that fit within that construct, right? And 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 to me, like that's that's the biggest. If that's the biggest thing, is just hey, uh, because academics are still important, because um, tradition is still important. How, how can they use those things to their advantage without selling out, without making it look like the program has transformed into something that it's not? You can you can keep those things in place uh, and, and build on it. Exactly, and and when you have a head football coach that all the time, and I do mean all the time, is stressing the academic element to it, right? Doing that on his own. He's not, you know, there's nobody around. I mean, the board of trustees, he's not, you know, the board isn't there when he's saying this. The president isn't there. The athletic director isn't there. You know, the vice president for intercollegiate athletics is not there. He's just doing it. Well, I happen to be there when he's doing it. So he means it. I mean, it's sincere. It's not a show. And I think that really helps the cachet of it. Now let's get to another part. In the uh, desire to keep life as amateur as possible in intercollegiate athletics, they made sure that nobody could buy any jerseys that had numbers on it. <laughs> I'm not I'm yep. about Penn State. I'm talking about anywhere. Hey, yep. we're going to sell number one. And, and for example, at Northwestern, it's Pat Fitzgerald's 51. All right. Yep. What about the possibility now that Penn State football jerseys may be available this, this fall? And how may that work out in terms of the student athlete, but also for the university? Yeah, so I mean, they obviously they teased it this morning as as a partnership that they've entered into with. This is like a massive thing. So this there's a deal with Fanatics, like the apparel uh, company. That they don't make apparel, but they sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of these institutions, and so Penn State being part of that is a win, right? And and honestly, it's probably how the uh, you know the NCAA football video game will work right which is agreed player players have the opportunity to opt into um you know this this larger deal and if if they do then their jersey can be sold um you know it, i think it's kind of interesting and fascinating from a penn state perspective in the sense that you know are our fans going to order a player's jersey with the player's name on the back of it when that isn't what Penn State does as a football program, right? right? There are no names on the mm-hmm. back of the jersey. Right. Uh, but, but even that, right, like for many, 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 many years, Nike sold the star player's number, right? Yeah. And just said it was like, oh, that's a coincidence. You know what yeah, I, know. Like, I always love how, how this how this used to be. Although, yeah. if you were uh, really smart a long time ago and you brought four, bought fourteen for Chuck Fusina, it became Todd Blackledge, it became John Schaefer, yeah. it became yeah. Sean Clifford. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, no, so the, you know it, the the fact that Penn State is part of that now and announced that and that will come to fruition in the fall. I. I what strikes me as so interesting about this is, is the day or two, right, after Caleb Williams signed and went to and enrolled at Southern Cal, right. they had on their team shop autographed footballs, autographed helmets that you could purchase from Caleb Williams. Right. So that's within the structure of Southern Cal football. Yep. That's, that's the next day. Mm-hmm. That's two days later. Yep. Penn State's announcement today is for the fall, 
mm-hmm. right? And so, I, I mean, I think that there there is this. It's about expediency. It's about urgency. It's about all of those things. So, like, you have to make the decision in the first place to take these steps, but then you have to do it kind of quickly. And that's what I don't think has come to fruition yet for Penn State. Sometimes fall might mean June. Sure. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, magazines for the seasons, right? The Athlon, everybody else comes out May, June. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, We'll see how that, that plays out. Uh, the other interesting part is USC is on, I think, the same academic timetable Penn State is. So I think they started classes January 10th, same time Penn State is. But Williams is in now. Yep. Uh, how important is that factor where, look, we're going to get somebody. We want him in by spring practice, but he may not commit to us till February 1st. How important is, is that concession to make and you know show a lot of confidence in your academic support group? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that has happened and you've seen with some other programs, particularly basketball comes to mind for me, where, you know, admissions and all of those things that are integral to the university operations aren't necessarily set up to handle the way these things have changed in college athletics. Um, And so, no, I mean, I think he definitely pushed – on Wednesday, kind of the notion that, yeah, these, you know, <laughs> these things are not in place currently at Penn State, and it's just about making decisions to change that so that you can enroll in the middle of the semester or a couple of weeks into the semester, because there's no telling who or how many potential transfers may have precluded Penn State really from their options this winter, right, December and the beginning of January, because the academic calendar started so soon. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, there, there are all of these little small hurdles that Penn State just has to decide what it wants to be. Like, is it going to cling to the model that has existed for all of these years because that's just the way it's done and the institution is prioritizing, hey, this is the way it is. We got to, like, that's it. Sorry, there's no wiggle room. Or... Is there going to be some flexibility here? Are we going to try to adapt to the rules as they've changed and figure out a way to make these things work? In part because, look, at the moment, I mean, the NCAA or, okay, college football, college basketball, right now is in need of structure because there isn't structure right now. So how do you adapt when there's no structure? That's that that's the question that has to be answered. Yeah, yeah well, and and... and to what extent are you the ones who dream up how to do it, right? Like, so, so much of this is, hey, are, are you going to do the things that someone else is doing, right? These, these new frontiers mm-hmm. in NIL and the transfer board, are, are you, like, that's the way that the question is asked, is will you follow suit? And I think that what James Franklin is asking of everyone Right, players, the university, parents, uh, fans, alumni, is at what point do you stop thinking in terms of following and start thinking in terms of leading? Yeah. Like, how, how do you set the roadmap? How do you, how do you behave and act to to where other people are following you and but, following uh, your example? Right. There is, but, um, and that, but there's that line though, and that line is. Uh, 
I want to make sure we're doing this, but not crossing the line. For sure. But I, I don't I don't think and I, I mean, I guess that's kind of my point is it's it's demanding of minds who can think in those terms of, hey, OK, there, there is no model necessarily for exactly what Penn State wants to be. Right. I mean, uh, not that I'm putting it at this level, but I think the, the comps academically in terms of what Penn State wants to be are Michigan. Stanford to a certain extent mm-hmm. for the athletic department as a whole, right? You mm-hmm. see these different institutions. Well, think about how you can maintain your identity as an institution, as a football program, as an athletics department, but still, but still push it, still, still, uh, you know, create new opportunities within the constructs that exist. Sir. Outstanding job of how you did the interview while also controlling those two wonderful children who obviously were angels in the background. I abandoned them. I hope they're still alive. I raced up the stairs and was out of breath mid-interview because things were not going well. So I appreciate your patience. Thank you. I would have um, not admitted that. I would have taken the compliment. You know what? As long as as my wife doesn't hear, and I'm assuming she's not listening, I think we'll be okay. I mean, the reach of this show is beyond your words. All right, so (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Nate. Have a great weekend. All right, thanks so much. NateBauerOn3.com. I'll see him at the Jordan Center tonight. Sits down below in the next row below me to the right. Always great to... Talk with him. The On3.com staff does a great job. Uh, we, we never have had David Eckert on the show. David does an excellent job. Nate, Greg Pickle, Ryan Snyder, great group. A lot of, I mean, a lot of great people covering Penn State. And Nate happens to be one of the many, and you hear so many of them on this show. Uh, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Trade-ins never been worth more. And the service department, routine, inspections, diagnostics, whatever it may be, they handle it all. It's one-stop vehicle shopping for the life of the vehicle. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Next half hour, Neil Kulong in the Super Bowl. Final half hour, Chris Soleri, Detroit Free Press on tonight's Penn State-Michigan State basketball game. Coming up on Thursday, we only have the abbreviated show, but we're going to make a count. Grant Haley of the Los Angeles Rams is scheduled to join us at 3.15 on Thursday. Great to have you with us today. We swing to the top of the hour. News is next here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.